0: All right, Doxa. Well, man, it is uh, great to see you guys today. Glad you guys all made it out. If uh, if you're new or visiting, and we haven't met, uh, my name is Rob. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Doxa. But uh, man, last week we officially launched this church, and, and it was a it was an awesome day. And it's just been fun to see what God just continues to do through the launching of Doxa and, and Salt Company, and and we're just really excited to to begin to march forward. Okay, that that really, you know. A bad view of that would be like we would launch last week and be like, oh my gosh, we've arrived and we can just kind of coast. The reality is, is like, man, that was an awesome day, but now like the real work begins of, of becoming a church that God has created us to be. And, and we're going to wrestle with that as we, as we open up the Bible together and gather together. But we're really excited to, to strive to be a church that's, that's all about the glory of God and the good of Madison. Right, that this is really what we exist for. And we, and we launched last week with, with starting into a, a three-week teaching series that we have titled Marked. And, and here's what we're hoping to accomplish with this series, okay? Because as we start things out, what we want to do is just simply lay the foundation of, of who we are and why we exist. That we exist to share the gospel in our lives for the glory of god and the good of madison and we're going to keep revisiting that because this is kind of like the the rallying point that we that we have as a church why we exist what we're going to be about and we're going to keep coming back to that trying to figure this out and step into the people that god has us to be as docs of church hoping to bring a gospel dent to this great city that we live in but as we continue this this topic of of glory from last week all right. We need to know that, that God's glory is, is a really big deal in the Bible. And because it's a really big deal in the Bible, that makes it a really big deal for us here at Doxa. Because what we do is, is we seek to be people of the Bible. And, and really, we're, we're hoping to, to be people that, that seek to keep the main point of the Bible, the main point of all of our lives, which is Jesus and the glory of God. Now, Last week, we talked about how this idea that, I mean, it's kind of a, a tricky thing when you start to think about the glory of God, because the glory of God is, is really just a, it's an impossible thing to define, but simultaneously, it's a really easy thing to, to point to. And this is why we, we open the Bible every time that we gather, whether it's in a, in a large group like this on Sundays or in smaller groups with connection groups, we simply just open the Bible and we point and say, okay, there's the glory of God. This is the glory, that's it. This is what we're talking about. And this is how we, we wrestle with what does it mean to live a life for God? What does it mean to be a man and a woman of God as, as we walk forward as the church? And last week, we, we talked about creation, that, that as we, we live in just a beautiful city, right? You, you walk around, you see creation. And the reality of creation that we see in Genesis chapter one is that God created it not just to, to for us to enjoy and to, to see that it's beautiful, but he's really just shouting at us. And he's shouting, see my glory, see. And we look and we just look at the the world around us and we understand that creation is really just a reflection to show us something of our creator. It gives us a glimpse of who he is. This is what we're doing, okay? And so I want you to open up your Bible to Genesis chapter one, okay? If you don't have a Bible, again, we have Bibles out on the, the welcome table that we would love to, to give you as a gift. This is just part of like our rhythm as a church is as, as we come together, we, we don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take the Bible seriously and we open it up and read. So if you don't have one, man, grab one on your, on your way out as kind of our gift to you. But as you get to Genesis chapter one, I'll say this, guys, nothing in your life makes sense unless you start at the beginning. It's a true thing. And this is what the book of Genesis is all about. The book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. It's about the origins, where we come from, who God is. And we talked about this last week, but we're going to consider this reality of, of all of humanity, all of us, everybody in this room, everybody that you've ever seen, everybody that you ever have known, all have been marked with glory. And guys, as we read Genesis, okay, this book of beginnings... What you'll find is, is this, is that Genesis, while it's a, it's a historical book, it gives us a, a picture of the history of the world, that it's not exhaustive in its history, but it's very selective in the telling of history. Okay, so Genesis does not tell us everything, but what it does is it selectively gives us this, the things that we need that are most important and most relatable to our understanding of who God is and who we are as people. But these are the two most important things. Especially for us here at Doxa, that if there's two things that we're about, it's God and people. People meeting God because God loves people. And this is what Genesis is, is really all about. This is what we're seeing and what we're going to see today as we look at these first two chapters, okay? Because what we're going to see as we get into this, guys, is here's what happens, okay? Last week, we, we looked at this idea in Genesis 1 through 3 that, that creation is just screaming out God's glory. And we see the glory of God through all that he created, right? We, we see that, that just as he, he created and he communicated and he saved this picture that we're seeing in the first three books of the Bible, we see this glimpse of glory. But what we're going to do today is we're going to really focus in and, and dive down into the creation that God created. And we're going to look at humanity. We're going to look at men and women. We're going to basically look at you and I, all right? And so today is, is very much about you, and what God did as he, as he made you and what it means for all of humanity. And this is really a, a game changer for us because my hope is, is if I do a good job teaching the Bible today, that we will all walk out of here seeing each other different. That you'll walk out of here and you will see the people that you pass on the street, not just as scenery, but you're gonna see them as, oh my gosh, there, there's something really significant here. This is what God wants to teach us, okay? And so we're gonna start in Genesis chapter one. If you have the Bible, Verse 26, we see this. So the first part of Genesis, God is creating everything. He creates everything out of nothing. And then in verse 26, we see this. Then God said, and I'll stop and say this. God spoke everything. I know, I would always do that. I read two words and then I say we're going to talk about that. I'm not going to do that the whole way through, okay? God spoke. He spoke everything into existence, right? And and he speaks life and he speaks Creation, he speaks everything. And God, guys, he still speaks to us today. This is why why we read the Bible. You gotta understand that a, a good view of the Bible is that God is speaking. That right now, we're not just gathered around having story time and listening to music, but we understand rightly that the Bible is the word of God, that he is speaking to us today through the words in this book. And he is speaking into creation. And it says this, then God said, and what did he say? Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and I want you to underline that in your Bible, because this is a big, big thing, and we're just going to stop there. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now I'll say this. George Whitfield, who is a, a famous old pastor and, and theologian, he once said that the Bible cannot be rightly understood by kind of like a, a haphazard endeavor of trying to just read it. But he says it's got to be through intentional seeking out, the, to understand the deep things of God that it takes effort. And what he's getting at is this, is that we can read one verse and get so much that so many times, like, I don't know if you guys are like this in your quiet time, but you, you kind of like, you, like, you, you measure your, your walk with God and your closeness with God about, like, how many verses that you read or how long you spend reading your Bible every day or whatever, right? The reality is, is guys, when we teach the Bible, we're showing something of God, we're pointing. But we also, as we teach the Bible here, we're kind of teaching you how to read the Bible. And we can get so much from just one verse that can literally change the course of our lives. And not to even be dramatic, it could literally change our world if we actually understand that that really you get this picture that that Whitfield is pointing to as as an iceberg, Right, I don't know if you've ever seen like a, an iceberg in person, but you surely have seen pictures and all this stuff. But from the surface, it just kind of looks like this little ice cube floating on the top. And you're like, okay, cool, an iceberg. There's a polar bear and a penguin. That's great, okay. But then if you were to look underneath the water, what would you see? You would just see this, this mountain of ice under the water. Guys, the same is true with the Bible. That oftentimes we can come to a verse like this and say, God created us in his image. Wow, that's great. That's encouraging. But the reality is, guys, is there's so much packed into this that there is a mountain of significance. If we just take the time to look past the surface, it will literally change everything. Because what we just read is the picture of human life, right? And because the defining feature of what it means to be human is that we are created in the image of God, the most important, significant question that, guys, we need to correctly answer is this regarding our humanity, we have to get this right. What does it mean that we are God's image bearers? If you're in a connection group, I wanna encourage you guys just to write that down and wrestle with that as you, as you get into your connection group this week. What does it mean that we are God's image bearers? Because I'll say this, guys, our view of humanity hinges on that. Your view of life, your view of each other hinges on how you answer that question. We cannot appreciate and understand humanity if we don't get this right. And theologians call this the Imago Dei. It's just a Latin expression that that means the image of God, that we were created in the image of God, which means that we have all been marked with glory. And so when we rightly understand this, it it means that, that God made humanity. He made all of us and that life is special and that people are significant, all people. And when I say all people, I mean all people. Right? And you might be thinking like, man, I don't know, you haven't met my neighbor. He's super weird. He's got garden gnomes. He talks to him. I'm pretty sure he sells drugs. I don't know why I just said that. Right? It's weird. Okay? But right? you, you, there's people that we think of and you're like, they're not that significant. They're, they're really bad people. Guys, I want you to know that there is no such thing in, as good and bad people. That there's all bad people. There's only one good and his name is Jesus. And that's why we teach about him. That's why we sing and we pray to him. The rest of us are pretty jacked up. Okay? It's just the truth that we live in, right? And, and as we see this in the Bible, guys, it doesn't matter that humanity, you and I, we are we're broken. But simultaneously, while we're broken and we're messed up because of sin, there's something really significant about every single person that you lock eyes with. That God made Everyone and everyone is significant, regardless. I want you to hear this, guys. Regardless of beliefs or actions or lifestyles or choices or who you vote for or anything like that, God desires and loves all people and all people are significant. And there's this tendency in the church to say, these people don't believe what I believe. These people believe what I would say is evil. And we think that there's less of a person. That is just so far from the truth. And this idea of being created in the image of God shows us this. Now, I want you to see what happens, okay, in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 is kind of like this cosmic, panoramic view of creation. All right, that you can think of it like this, that if you were a photographer or a filmmaker, all right, this is kind of like the the wide-angle lens of getting the big picture of everything. Now, what happens is as you go through Genesis chapter 1, you get into Genesis chapter 2, okay? One, two, you get me? You follow me? Great. You get into Genesis chapter 2, and it's kind of like the tight shot. It zooms in on this creation and shows us a little bit more about humanity and the detail work that went in to making humanity. So Genesis 1, this big picture, we're created in the image of God. Genesis 2, we zoom in. How did God actually do this? Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, if you have your Bible. And we'll go to work and figure out what this means. Verse seven of Genesis chapter two, then the Lord God formed, circle formed. He formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils. I want you to circle breathed. The breath of life and the man became a living creature. Okay, so this is the making of the first of humanity. All right, and we all have descended from this. This is is the creation of Adam. And what it tells us is this, guys, if you look back is that Adam, the first human, was formed by God. And again, one of those verses that we could just simply read past really quick, and say, "Wow, that's cool," because this is so important for us. Because here, guys, we live, we live in a in a highly academic city. All right, we just do. There's a ton of smart people, way smarter than me, right? That and what, yeah, some of you guys are laughing because you're like, "I know you." That's true, right? <laughs> but but what evolutionary hypothesis tells us is that nothing made everything. Right, that the unintelligent, unintelligent matter made intelligent life, being human beings. That that what is lifeless made life, and that which was impersonal made the personal. But as we as we consider this, guys, this is really just completely implausible, because you were not made from nothing, but you were made by God. That He created you, and and everything makes its own kind. So flowers create flowers, dogs create dogs, right? The land produces plants. Right? We 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 know this. But we were made in what? The image of God. That God created us. And, and we understand this when it comes to having kids, right? If you're, if you're pregnant or if you've ever been pregnant, when Lisa and I were having our kids, it wasn't like, man, I wonder what we're gonna have. I hope it's not a cat. I really don't like cats. I wanna like, right? No, we know this. We, we produce our own kind. And, and the Bible tells us that, that we were made, the living God made us living creatures, human beings, to be like him, to be with him. Because this is where we come from, and this is who we're to be like. And so when we begin to see the creation account and zoom into this, we're seeing that the intelligent made the intelligent, that the personal God made people with personality and emotions. And because of this reality that we're made in the image of God, we have dignity, we have value, we have worth and purpose, all because we are image bearers. And so guys, this is the starting block, that we come from God. And I, and I need you to know this because, guys, you are so significant to God. You are so loved by God. And I want you to even consider this, all right? You think about creation. How did God create everything? You look back at Genesis chapter one, how did he create? We're not good at the call and respond thing yet, but we'll work on that, okay? He spoke, right? He spoke and he he created everything out of nothing, right? Now, you look at Genesis chapter two, verse seven, look back at this, how does he create us? people. Not so much with his words, but what? With his hands. And I want you to notice something, guys, that when it comes to creating humanity, God didn't just speak, but he used his hands. And this is, again, this imagery that that God is intimately involved in making human life. And that's why human life is so significant. And what we're to learn here is that God made us with his hands, and then he breathed life into us that we're not here by chance, that we're here by God's design and by his handiwork, that you're not here from nothing and for nothing, that you're here from God and for God. And if you've ever seen somebody do CPR, right, we get this picture of somebody kind of resuscitating someone back to life, that, that this, this process of, of doing CPR on somebody, it's a, it's a really involved, hands-on process, that the hands are on the body, the mouths are touching, and there's an exchange of breath to bring someone to life. This is the picture that we're getting of what God did for humanity, that he literally formed you with his hands, and then he breathed life into you. It's this beautiful picture of who you are. Now, all that to be said, the question that remains that we always have to ask, guys, is so what, right? Right? I mean, we could all hear that and be like, man, that's really good. Let's sing that song again. That was awesome. But here's, what does this mean for us? Right? Who cares? I'm going to give you three implications, all right, that that I think are are like potentially game changers for for this city and for your families and for all your people around you. Three implications of the Imago Day, all right? Three implications of what it means that you are created in the image of God. And the first one is this. Is that because you're created in the imago Dei, the image of God, you are a glimpse of God. It's the first thing you need to know, and this is something, guys, that is so incredibly beautiful when we begin to understand this. That that since you're made in the image of God, you are intensely unique to this world, and you give the people around you a glimpse of the goodness and the glory of God. You need to know that about yourself. That there's no two people that are exactly alike. And since God made you, he's giving the world a unique glimpse of who he is by, by you, the person that he's created. I want you to look at Psalm 139. It'll be up here on the screen. In Psalm 139, it says this, For you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Some of you guys might have, you've heard, if you've studied theology at all, John Calvin, who is a great theologian, he says that what the psalmist does here, and what ultimately God does as he inspires scripture to be written, is right here in the psalms that he basically said that God is speaking baby talk to us. That if you have kids or if you've ever been around kids, that you can't talk to them, you can't talk to a small kid, like you would talk to another adult. Like I try to do this with my daughter, I try and rationalize with her and she just kind of looks at me like I have like four eyes or something like that, right? She just is like, I don't get it. And so what Calvin says is, is that here in the Bible, God is, is speaking baby talk to us and he uses poetic imagery so that we can understand what this actually means, that, that we bear the image of God. And it's amazing because if you think about our world guys, so few things in our world are handmade anymore right? I mean, we, we kind of have like an assembly line and mass production of stuff. This is why we love the farmer's market so much, right? Because we can go there and even though we pay a little bit more, it's made by hand. It takes effort and time for these people that they've grown and made things by hand and, and, we, and we love that, right? But it's not, this is like the picture that we have that we're not mass produced. We, we don't come off an assembly line and in a, in a line of people that are just stamped and we're all the same. Guys, we're all different. We're all unique, some of you, you're very peculiar, right? And that's great, right? We, we rejoice in that. It gives spice in life, right? But God has made us all very, very unique. And he's knit us together. He's created us to be his image bearer. And we're marked with glory. And this shows us just how much he loves us. And guys, very practically, what this means is that when we look at ourselves, when we look at other people... We shouldn't just see other, another human body that's standing in front of us, but we should see rightly kind of just the craftsmanship of God, the beauty and the glory of God. We get a glimpse of, of his glory because we have all been marked by that glory. Again, I'll quote John Calvin, he says it this way. He says, I believe rightly that we are like a mirror. So if you're in Genesis chapter two, right next to the column of Genesis 2-7, I want you to write the word mirror. This is significant, okay? He says, I believe rightly that we are a mirror that reflects something of God into the earth. That God is a loving God, and when we love, we're showing a little bit of what God is like. That God is a forgiving God, and when we forgive people of wrongs, we're showing a little bit of God to the earth. So Calvin, he says that people are simply just mirrors. We reflect the glory of God. We reflect the goodness of God just because of who we are. And the people around us, they get a glimpse of who God is and what God is like when we as people are operating and living as he's created us to do. He's giving the world a glimpse of the beauty of of who he is. And whenever I think about the Imago Dei and the creation that God has with humanity, I'm going to show you a picture of, of one of my good friends. All right, his, his name is Aaron, okay? And and I always think about this with when it comes to, to creation in the Imago days is that Aaron is was one of my best friends, okay? And I lived with him in college and he was just an awesome, awesome dude. He, it was a really weird friendship. Like he was one of those peculiar people that you meet that you're like, I don't know why we're friends, but I really, really like you, okay? And he would just disappear sometimes. Like literally, I would be like, anybody know where Aaron is? And then he would show up like two weeks later and like, where were you? He's like, I just wanted to go camp. And, he would just, and I was like, so what did you do? He's like, I just took a box of granola bars and I just put up a camping site in someone's backyard. And we're just like, you are a weird cat. Okay. I don't understand you. But he was like one of the funniest, weirdest people I've ever met. And he made me laugh more than anybody I've ever known really. And, and so, but he, in 2009, he got diagnosed with, with brain cancer and within like a couple months he was just gone. And I remember like doing his funeral... And, um, and just literally, you know, you grieve, you grieve losing somebody. And it hit me why I was grieving and why I was so sad. It's because I realized that I am never going to experience the goodness of God in that same way as I did when Aaron made me laugh. Because there was nobody that was made just like Aaron, that he was unique. And he gave me just a glimpse of how good and loving Aaron was. And, and, I, and I think about this, and it, C.S. Lewis understood this rightly as well. When his friend J.R. Tolkien died, C.S. Lewis was quoted as saying something to the effect of when, when Tolkien died, I grieve most that I'll miss him and his jokes, but I'll grieve most that I'm going to miss the way that he let me see God. Because, guys, you are a glimpse. You are a glimpse of God. And this is why it's so hard when we, when we lose people, because we're losing out on a glimpse of God, that we're mirrors. We're reflecting the glory of God and his goodness. We're marked with that type of glory. Now, the second implication of the Imago Dei is this, is that you have incomparable value. Incomparable value. That I want you to consider this, okay? The way that God made humanity shows us our position in this world, All right, Because if you think back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, how did God make us? Right? He, he formed us from dust, that we have this lowly position that we're just made from dirt, but then he breathed life into us. And so we have this, this high position because of the breath of God that gave us life. So simultaneously, we exist as people, as, as these great creatures, but these humble creatures. And this is how we should function as people. In, in people, we, we tend to fall in one or two camps, right? Is that some of us here, we, we tend to think too lowly of ourselves. You, you think yourself as like dirt, right? And some of us, we, we tend to think too highly of ourselves. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm like a God. The reality is, is we're kind of in the middle, okay? And, and you shouldn't be on either side, all right? So what I want to do is, as is, is I talk about this, guys, I, the world desperately needs to hear this, all right? Because as I talk to all you, I want to talk to two different types of people, all right? Those of, of maybe you in this room that, that you don't know that you're valuable, in those people who think that they're more valuable than everybody else, and that there are people that aren't valuable. And so the first type of person, if you're here and you have a really low view of yourself, you need to know that you're valuable. Doesn't matter what you've been told your whole life, doesn't matter what your parents say about you, your friends say about you, your coach says about you, you're valuable. You're so significant. And I know as those words come out of my mouth, some of you, you just don't believe me. That some of us here, we have such a low image of ourselves. We have such a low self-esteem. And you just think that you're somehow worthless. But I want you to know if you think that, this is so far from the truth. But I'm not naive. Like some of us, we've, we've been through hell in our life. You've been abused, you've been beaten down, you've been held down. And that changes a person. That changes the way that you think about yourself. And some of us, we, we just want out. Right, we don't see any value, we, we don't like ourselves, we look in the mirror and we say, who is that person? I just hate them, they're ruining my life. But I want you to know, guys, that you're valuable. And I believe that so much dysfunction happens in all of our lives that, that people inflict pain on themselves like people try and drink away their pain, people try and just give away their body to feel something. The reason for a lot of this, I really believe, is that because we have not been told that you're significant. You are so special. And I'm honored today to be able to open up the Bible and be the messenger that says, this is the message that we all need to hear. I want you to look at this in Ephesians chapter two, the apostle Paul says this, and this is what you need to know that you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And I can't help but to think that Paul, as he was writing this under the inspiration of the Spirit, was referencing back to the creation account on how God formed humanity. That you are a masterpiece. Like, you think about a work of art that is just priceless and hangs in a museum that people go and see. This is who we are. And it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you've done, or who you think you are. God says, this is who you are. And that's why when you sing those songs that are like cheesy, and I am who you say I am, right? And we can say, okay, this is really an overly Christian song. This is why, I don't know if there's an overly Christian song or not, it just sounded right. This is why that's significant. Because it's based on scripture. It's the truth of God breaking in and saying, this is the truth that you need to know and live and my hope is guys is as you're hearing this that you begin to see yourself as you really are who god has made you to be now we'll kind of switch gears a little bit because not everybody here struggles with viewing themselves as significant some of us here maybe we we struggle with viewing ourselves as too significant and even more significant than other people and some of us here and some of us in the city we, we look at people, and, and you look at others around you, and you don't see value in certain types of people, right? And, and you look down at different types of people, whether it's because of social economic status, or, or race, or gender, or anything like that, and you can look at people and be like, they're not valuable, they're like less than human. If that is kind of like your view, let me just say in like a really loving way, you're wrong. And you're outside the lines of the Bible, you're outside the lines of Christianity. You have a really bad view of who God has made people to be. And before you get mad and and say, try and argue your position, I don't know how you would argue that, but I'll say this, guys. You have never locked eyes with somebody who doesn't mean a significant amount to God because God made everyone. Everyone. And the way this plays out, guys, you think about our world right now. What are some of the biggest tensions that we have in our world right now? It revolves around race and gender and the type of lifestyle that we, we choose and all of this stuff. Right? There, there is no room for racism in the church of God. And I would even say that the church should be leading the way of reconciliation because this is who God is and we're image bearers of God and we're to live for and like Jesus. There's no room for that. This is anti-gospel This is anti who Jesus is. And this is anti the doctrine of the imago Dei, the image of God. We're throwing away the Bible. We're throwing away the glory of God. When we think about the sanctity of life issues... Whether it's walking down State Street and seeing homeless people that some people just look at them in disgust and almost like they're animals and they don't view them as special or anything, but they're just like, oh my gosh, I wish they would get out of That is a really poor view because that's not how God views them. They are created, they're created, they're image bearers. And we shouldn't be thinking, how do we get rid of them? We should be tr- thinking, how do we raise them up to be who God has created them to be? Because this is what it all plays into. That's why the, the Imago Day, the image of God, is such a big deal, because it literally changes everything. And so we are a glimpse of God. We have great value. And finally, the last implication that I want to touch on this morning is this: a sense that you're made in the image of God, you have purpose. All right? And purpose is one of those, those questions that that we as people we, we wrestle with. What is my purpose? Right, and there's studies done on that every year. If, you're, if you kind of geek out over statistics and all that stuff, you can totally just Google that and you'll find all of this stuff, okay? But so many people wrestle with what is my, my purpose in life? And when I think about purpose, there's what I would consider as multiple levels to our purpose, that we have a general purpose and then we have a very specific purpose. And when we talk about these two purposes, we're in effect talking about like our calling, okay? Our, our life assignment, our task, all that stuff. And our specific purpose can really take a long time, right, years to discover as we consider our passions, our gifts, our desires, input from others, prayer, whatever. It can take some time to figure out our, our specific purpose. But our specific purpose, you can think of it, is maybe it's your occupation where you're just kind of in that spot where you're just flowing in life. And you're like, this is where exactly where I need to be. I feel like this is what God has, has created me to be and to do and how to function in society and to add to the world, right? It's your specific purpose. And, and we struggled through this. For years, I, I struggled with this with myself and, and trying to, to figure out, man, what am, I, what am I supposed to do with my life? And it was, it was wrestling with that and trying to figure out how has God wired me? What am I good at? What do people think? What are they saying? All this stuff. And, and after years of trying to do this, I feel like I'm in like, my sweet spot right now. I don't know if that's going to be a long-term thing, but I feel like I am where I need to be right now helping to lead this church. Right, but this takes time. And every single one of us, guys, I want you to know that you have a specific individualized purpose. And I can't tell you what that is, but what I can do is this, is I can tell you your general purpose that's going to help to inform your very specific purpose on this world. And your general purpose is this, guys, is that you were created in the image of God first and foremost to be in relationship with God. That this is why he created you. The primary reason we exist is to be with God. This was humanity from the very beginning. Look at this. In Acts chapter 17, Luke says this. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. And he's not far from any one of us. Because that there's a purpose that God had for humanity, and the purpose is to be with him. Now sin came into the world and distorted all that purpose and separated us from God. It separated us from people. But this relationship is what we're created for. And I I wanna highlight something. If you look back at that, it says that he's not far from any one of us. And I want you to know that, guys, that there's seasons in your life where you feel that if God even exists, he's certainly very far away from me. I don't feel him, but I want you to know that he's not far. I would say that the reason that you're here is because God is not far from you that you didn't just come here and wander in here and do all this stuff, that I really believe that the only reason that you would come to a place like this is because God is doing something in your midst, showing you who you are and who he's created you to be. You're not here by chance, but you're here by God. And this is the gospel that God is calling people to himself to restore this broken image. All right, that to, to use Calvin's imagery of a mirror, that we were created to reflect the glory of God. But because of sin in our world, and sin is just anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is, that mirror that is our life has been thrown to the ground and broken to pieces. And so we still reflect the glory of God, but we do it infrequently and very poorly because we're just broken to pieces. But this is what the gospel comes in and says, is that I will put you back together. And Jesus... He takes our sin and he collects up the the proverbial pile of just shards of mirror, and he puts us back together so that we can image God the best way possible. This is what we celebrate. This is why we gather because this is the truth. And so here's how I'll, I'll wrap things up. One of the things that I love most about the gospel, one one of the things I love most about the doctrine of the image of God is it points us to the reality that we're all on the same playing field, that we all need Jesus. And so if you're a Christian in here today and you're part of the Doxa family, and you're following Jesus and you love Jesus, I want you to know that to image God is something that we do both personally and communally. Personally as an individual worshiper, as we walk with Jesus. And communally as a, as a church, as a family, as a Christian community. And so what this means, guys, is that you need to ask yourself this, is, is man, how am I imaging and reflecting God? Because a lot of people have problems, not with necessarily God, but with God's people, because we're really poor at reflecting the image of God that we were created in. And we all fall short of this glory, every single one of us, because of the reality of sin in all of our lives, But Jesus, he puts us back together, puts that mirror back together so that we can reflect and show the world God. Martin Luther says it like this, that the gospel has brought about the restoration of the image of God in all of our lives. And so if you're a Christian, I want you to ask yourself this this week. What does your life say about the image of God? Because if you are a reflection of Him, as you walk through life, the way that you treat people, the way that you just go about your life, says something about your Creator. How, what is your life saying about God? Ask yourself that. And maybe you're here and and you wouldn't necessarily find yourself in the place where you would call yourself a Christian, but you're kind of just feeling this all out. First off, I'm glad that you're here and I'm, I'm honored to be able to teach you the Bible and I'm glad that you're experiencing the Doxa family. But something has drawn you here. And I would say to you that I don't think it's a something, but it's a someone, and his name is Jesus. And he's brought you here to show you who he is, to point you, to give you a glimpse of his glory, and to show you that you have been marked by that same glory so that you could find your way back to him. And the fact that you have been made in the image of God means that it's all about Jesus. And while you have value and purpose, and you are a glimpse of God, just because of who you are, I want you to know that apart from Jesus, apart from faith, you're missing out on your purpose in life. And my plea to you would be like, man, let Jesus put you back together. He's the reason that you're here. And I pray that as you come around the Doxa family and you come around the Bible as we open it up, that you would begin to see this more and more. Because it's all about Jesus, guys. Creation screams it. Humanity shows it. We all need him. It's the gospel that we celebrate. And we're going to do that right now is, is I'm going to have the band come up here and we're just going to sing and I want to encourage you guys that as you get in your connection groups this week, go to work with this. Wrestle with this. What does it mean to be image bearers? How do we best do this? So pray with me. God, thanks for, for your word for the, for the Bible and thanks for just given us a glimpse today of, of who you are and who you've created us to be. God, I, I know that there's, there's someone in here that, that needs to know that they're valuable. And Spirit, I would just ask that you just break in and you show them through these words that we sing in these songs, through the words that we talked about in the Bible, that you would just show them just how valuable they are because they bear your image. I also know that there's some of us in here that, that we need to be humbled that we don't view other people as significant, that it's all about us. And I would just pray God that you would just give us a proper perspective that it's not about us, it's about you and your glory. But I just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to gather as a church and to worship you, the one who has created us. And as I think about our, our existence as just mirrors that have been broken because of, of sin in our life, I'm just overwhelmed with thankfulness that, Jesus, you don't leave us broken, that when we come to you, you restore us. And so would you just let that truth sit in? Would you just let that truth inform us as as we sing these songs, as we walk out of here? We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you guys can stand up and we'll worship together.